This is The Celluloid Ceiling, a podcast about women in film, starting from the early days of Hollywood all the way up to modern cinema. Take a journey with me, your host, Becca, as I explore all the different facets of filmmaking and all the amazing women making these films. Well, hello, and welcome back to The Celluloid Ceiling, a podcast about women in film. While it has been quite a while since I have recorded, researched, and posted an episode, and that's because I kind of got bogged down in the uh, intensity during COVID, and I was still working and working a lot and got very busy, and then I kind of, you know, it's hard to by yourself, edit, first research all of this, and then write it up, and then edit it, or record it, and then edit it. So, (laughs) I was a little bit lazy, you could say that. And then I ended up moving, so I took a plunge and I moved to LA from DC, so that's the other exciting thing that was happening and kind of pushing me from finishing this up, but I'm having a little bit more free time as we are, you know, in another lockdown here in uh, California. If anyone ever listens to this after the fact of 2020, I'll be surprised, but uh, <laughs> it's 2020 and COVID's still rampant, even in December as I record this. Who knows when this will go up? When I last left things, we were with screenwriters, and now I'm finally bringing you the modern screenwriters uh, <laughs> episode today. So let's just get to it. So women writers seem to be flourishing in modern times, which is great. Women have traditionally been writers and editors, and it's great to see that this tradition keeps going. According to the Center for the Study of Women in Television and Film, on the top 100 grossing films in 2019, women were 20% of the writers. Writing, editing, and producing were the highest percentages of this study, coming in at 20%, 23%, and 26%. Also, according to the Center for the Study of Women in Television and Film, women accounted for 19% of all writers working on the 250 top films of 2019. This represents an increase of 3 percentage points from 16% in 2018, and a recent historic high. Writing seems to have been having an uptick for women, and I hope that this trend continues. Once again, this episode is majority white women, uh, but we'll be seeing more women of color, particularly in television, which is something that, once again, I uh, haven't done yet. This is a film podcast at this moment, but you never know what season two could be about. Some of these women I don't get a lot of information on, which is kind of sad, but a lot of it is just going to be some highlights of their life. But, you know, that's probably going to happen for a lot of these people. So let's start with Lee Brackett. Lee Brackett was born December 7th in 1915 in Los Angeles, and she grew up here. Brackett first published in her mid-twenties, and it was a science fiction story called The Martian Quest, and it appeared in February 1940 issue of Astounding Science Fiction. Some of her stories have social themes such as The Citadel of Lost Ships from 1943, which considers the effects on the native cultures of alien worlds of Earth's expanding trade empire. During this period, she was also an active member of the Los Angeles Science Fantasy Society and participated in local science fiction fandom in other ways, including contributing to the second issue of Pogo's STFETTE, an all-female science fiction fanzine. Shortly after Brackett broke into science fiction writing, she wrote her first screenplays. Hollywood director Howard Hawks was so impressed by her novel No Good from a Corpse that he had a secretary call in this guy, Brackett, that's in quotation marks, to help William Faulkner write the script for The Big Sleep in 1946. 
The film was written by Brackett and William Faulkner and Jules Furman and starred Humphrey Bogart. It's considered one of the best movies ever made in this genre. After getting married, Brackett took a long break from screenwriting. And when she returned to screenwriting in the mid-1950s, she wrote mostly for TV and some films. Howard Hawks hired her to co-write several John Wayne films, including Rio Bravo, Hitari, El Dorado, and Rio Lobo. That was me flexing, sorry. (laughs) Because of her background with The Big Sleep, she adapted Raymond Chandler's novel The Long Goodbye for screen. Brackett returned to science fiction writing after her movie work in 1948. From then on until 1951, she produced a series of science fiction adventure stories that were longer than her previous work, including such classic representations of her planetary settings as The Moon That Vanished and the novel Sea Kings of Mars in 1949. Brackett worked on the screenplay for The Empire Strikes Back, the first Star Wars sequel, and the film won a Hugo Award in 1981. The script was a departure for Brackett, as until then all of her science fiction had been in the form of novels and short stories. George Lucas said that he asked Brackett to write the screenplay based on his story outline. Brackett wrote a finished first draft titled Star Wars Sequel, which was delivered to Lucas shortly before her death from cancer on March 18, 1978. However, her version was rejected, and two drafts of the screenplay were written by Lucas. And following the delivery of the screenplay for Raiders of the Lost Ark, turned over to Lawrence Kasten to rework some dialogue. Both Brackett and Kasten, though not Lucas, were given credit for the final screenplay. Brackett was credited in a tribute despite the fact that she was not involved in the final script for the film. For over 30 years, Brackett's screenplay could only be read at the Jack Williamson Special Collections Library at the Eastern New Mexico University in Portales, New Mexico, in the archives at Lucasfilm, California. However, it was officially published in February 2016. In this draft, there was a love triangle between Luke, Leia, and Han Solo. Isn't there, like, sort of, kind of, not really one still? So it's kind of there. Yoda was named Minch. Luke has a hidden sister named Lilith. Lando Calrissian was known as Lando Kadar. Luke's father was still a distinct character from Darth Vader and appears as a force ghost on Dagobah. And also, Han Solo, at the end of the script, is leaving to search for his uncle, Ovin Merrick, the most powerful man in the universe after Emperor Palpatine. So I guess some of those ideas made it in, not all of them. Up next, we have Diablo Cody. And Diablo Cody is probably a name that many people have already heard of because she was actually really big in the early 2000s. Uh, She worked on, I mean, I'm going to tell you about it now, but she was really famous for Juno. But let's get, let's get it going. Cody and her older brother, Mark, were both born and raised in Lamont, Illinois, which is a suburb of Chicago. I always get excited when I see that someone is from Illinois. In 2000, she graduated from the University of Iowa with a media studies degree. And while at the University of Iowa, she worked in the acquisitions department in the main university library. Her first jobs were doing secretarial work at the Chicago law firm and later proofreading copy for advertisements that played on Twin Cities radio stations. Cody began a parody blog called Red Secretary detailing the fictional exploits of a secretary living in Belarus. And the events were thinly veiled allegories for events that happened in Cody's actual life, but told from the perspective of a disgruntled English idiom-challenged Eastern Bloc girl. In December 2007, Cody began writing a column for the magazine Entertainment Weekly. At the age of 27, Cody wrote her memoir, Candy Girl, A Year in the Life of an Unlikely Stripper. 
The memoir began after Mason Novick, who would soon become Cody's manager, showed interest in her sharp and sarcastic voice. And based on the popularity of her blog, Novick was able to secure her a publishing contract with Gotham Books. After the completion of her book, Cody was encouraged by Mason Novick to try writing a screenplay. Within months, she wrote Juno, a coming-of-age story about a teenager's unplanned pregnancy. The script was completed in February 2005 and was optioned by a producer that summer. A fun story about Juno, my best friend and I actually dressed up as Cuff for Couples Day at our <laughs> all-girls school as Juno and Bleaker. We are not called out as a cool couple in assembly because, you know, Juno's pregnant, so my friend stuck a bear in her her belly. <laughs> and we looked great. I thought we looked great. We killed it. They did not enjoy that. Anyway, in October 2007, Cody sold a script titled Girly Style to Universal Studios and a horror script called Jennifer's Body to Fox Atomic. Released on September 18, 2009, Jennifer's Body starred Megan Fox as the title character and Amanda Seyfried as a supporting character. She revised writer-director Stephen Anton's script for the musical Burlesque. I love that movie. But also, uh, Jennifer's body was sort of panned when it came out, but is now getting a huge renaissance, which is, it's what a, what a year 2020 has been. What a time. <laughs> In 2011, she was brought to revise the first-time feature director Fetty Alvarez's script for the remake of Sam Raimi's 1980s horror film The Evil Dead, which is another thing that I love. In October 2011, Cody began hosting online celebrity interview program called Red Band Trailer on the broadband channel L Studio. She originally launched this series privately on YouTube in summer 2010, and the Lexus channel picked it up the following year. In 2011, Cody wrote and produced a comedy drama film, Young Adult, when Cody was nominated by awards associations such as the Broadcast Film Critics Association and the Writers Guild of America. In May 2013, it was announced that Cody would host her own talk show, Me Time with Diablo Cody, on TBS. The program would tailor around Diablo's unique perspective on all things pop culture told in her very own tongue-in-cheek way. Cody wrote and produced the musical comedy Ricky and the Flash in 2015, starring Meryl Streep and directed by Jonathan Demi in his last feature film. She also wrote and produced comedy drama film Tully in 2018. The film was directed by Jason Reitman, who previously directed Cody's scripts for Juno and Young Adult. She actually wrote a script for the Broadway musical Jagged Little Pill, based on the Alanis Morissette album of the same name, and the musical premiered in 2019. Cody is great friends with Dana Fox, who wrote What Happens in Vegas and Couples Retreat, and Lauren Scafaria, who wrote Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist. Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist, playlist feels very in the vein of um, Juno and all those kind of movies coming out at the time and they often write their screenplays together in order to get advice from one another and she also worked on the television show the united states of tara all right we have kind of a rule breaker here but i wanted to put her in because she's worked in some american films so we have lucinda coxon and she was born in england in 1962 and is a playwright and screenwriter She's an award-winning screenwriter from television to stage. Her feature screenplays include The Danish Girl, starring Eddie Redmayne and Alicia Vikander, Wild Target, starring Bill Nye, Emily Blunt, and Rupert Grant. I did not know Rupert Grant was doing anything. Uh, <laughs> and The Heart... Sorry, that was rude, I guess. And The Heart of Me, starring Helena Bonham Carter, Olivia Williams, and Paul Bettany. She collaborated with Guillermo del Toro on Crimson Peak and more recently adapted Sarah Waters' novel The Little Stranger for film directed by, or to be directed by, 
Lenny Abrahamson. So this is where we're going to get a little bit more of like the less information here. So I apologize, but I understand they're not actors. So of course they don't have as much, you know, written about them. So next we have Karen Croner. And she began her career researching for documentaries, and she wanted to tell real stories, specifically social justice ones. Her big break was writing the film One True Thing in 1998, and often likes to adapt books into screenplays. She also worked on Admission in 2013, and The Tribes of Pelos Verdes in 2017. Okay, up next is Shauna Cross. Shauna was born and grew up in Austin, Texas. After graduating from the University of Texas Film School in Austin, Cross worked on a few local film productions before deciding to move to Los Angeles in 2001 to try and break into the screenwriting industry. She supported herself in Los Angeles by working odd jobs and optioning screenplays here and there. In 2007, Cross's novel Derby Girl, about a teenage girl from a small town who takes up roller derby, was published by Henry Holt & Co. Cross herself was involved in the early days of TXRD Lone Star Roller Girls League. Cross skated under the pseudonym Maggie Mayhem in the Los Angeles Derby's Dolls team. After she finished Derby Girl, Cross pitched the same premise as a film to Drew Barrymore's production company, Flower Films. It was picked up immediately after she showed them a script, under a new title, Whip It, and Drew Barrymore decided to direct it herself. Whip It was released in October 2009. I love that movie. The movie is so fun. Cross adapted Gail Foreman's novel If I Stay to a feature screenplay. She also adapted, with Heather Hawk, Heidi Murkoff's book, What to Expect When You're Expecting, into a multi-narrative romantic comedy film. And is writing a screenplay called Live Nude Girls about the unionization of the Lusty Lady Strip Club in San Francisco in the 1990s. She also co-wrote the script for the film Bad Santa 2 with Johnny Rosenthal. Alright, up next is Leslie Dixon. Leslie Dixon is the granddaughter of photographer Dorothea Lang and landscaper painter Maynard Dixon. Dixon grew up in the California Bay Area, and at the age of 18, she was living alone in San Francisco without enough money to afford college. Once she realized what she wanted to pursue writing, she moved to Hollywood at the age of 26 with the hopes of making her way to the film industry. During her time as a script reader, she studied the scripts she was reading. She learned the structure of scripts, their layout on the page, the elements that were needed in order to make a script appealing and successful. And she recognized the types of script that gained the most attention from producers. This gave her hindsight into what was and wasn't being bought. After a year of living in Hollywood, she wrote her first screenplay, written with an unknown co-writer. Her partner got an agent attached to the piece, and after receiving two offers, it was sold to Columbia Pictures for $30,000. However, the screenplay never made it to production, and that's an unfortunate thing that happens here. <laughs> Her first solo screenplay was Outrageous Fortune in 1987, written for Shelley Long and Bette Midler. From 1987 to 1997, Dixon continued to write romantic comedies, including Overboard, Loverboy, Mrs. Doubtfire, and That Old Feeling. She also wrote an adaptation for The Thomas Crown Affair, a re-rate from Alan Trussman's original screenplay in 1968, and then the drama Pay It Forward, based on Catherine Ryan Hyde's 1999 novel of the same name. After reading Alan Glynn's The Dark Fields, she wrote Limitless in 2011. And in 2004, Dixon was nominated for a Saturn Award for Best Writing for her Freaky Friday screenplay. Freaky Friday is the best! Also, because I've just moved to a new state, I'm just filled with allergies, which is probably why I sound so stuffed up. (laughs) 
All right, up next is Jane Goldman. And Goldman was raised in a liberal middle-class family in North London. She attended the King Alfred School in Hampton until age 15 before moving to the United States to follow Boy George on tour. (laughs) Upon her return to the UK, she took a job as an entertainment reporter for the Daily Star. As a journalist, Goldman worked on newspapers and magazines such as Just 17, Cosmopolitan, The Times, Evening Standard, Zero, Daily Star, Total Guitar, Game Zone, and Sega Zone. At the age of 19, she became a freelance writer. Ooh, freelance is not an easy road to take, girl. Same. She made the jump to screenwriting as a part of the writing team for David Baddiel's short-lived sitcom Baddiel's Syndrome in 2001. Later, she co-wrote the screenplay of Stardust in 2011, based on the novel by Neil Gaiman. Gaiman introduced Goldman to Vaughn to provide the director with some help with the adaptation process. And the film received a lot of accolades and gave the screenwriters a Hugo Award for Best Dramatic Presentation. After Stardust, Goldman became a frequent collaborator of director Matthew Vaughn, co-writing the next films of comic book adaptations Kick-Ass and X-Men First Class. She continued to work in adaptations and was also a co-writer with Vaughn and Peter Stratton in the 2011 drama thriller The Debt, which was based on the 2007 Israeli film Hahov, directed by John Madden. Goldman is also adapted for Hammer, The Woman in Black, based on Susan Hill's horror novel. This film was directed by James Watkins and is the first solo screenplay by Goldman. It was released in 2012 and met with positive reviews. In March 2013, The Woman in Black won the Empire Award for Best Horror. With Vaughn, Goldman co-wrote the script for Kingsman The Secret Service 2015, based on the comic book by Mark Millar and Dave Gibbons. She wrote the script for Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children, an adaptation of the Ransom Riggs novel by the same name, which was directed by Tim Burton. Goldman is attached to various upcoming projects, and among them are Non-Player, the adaptation for the sci-fi comic book by Nate Simpson for Warner Brothers, and a rewrite of the Pinocchio screenplay originally written by Brian Fuller. She's also attached to the adaptation of Anubis based on a science fiction comedy short by Paul Murray. On December 6, 2017, it was announced that Goldman will write the screenplay for Disney's live-action adaptation of The Little Mermaid, with Rob Marshall being eyed to direct. Goldman has also written a new adaptation of Daphne de Maurier's gothic romance, Rebecca, and the script will be directed by Ben Wheatley. I do believe that's the Netflix one, but do not quote me on that. I wrote this a while ago, and I I believe the Rebecca one came out recently. Alrighty, next we have Melissa Matheson. Matheson was born June 3rd, 1950 in Los Angeles and one of five siblings. After graduating from Providence High School in 1968, Matheson attended the University of California, Berkeley. Her family was friendly with Francis Ford Coppola, whose children were babysat by Matheson. Coppola offered her a job as an assistant on The Godfather Part II, an opportunity for which she left her studies at UC Berkeley. Makes total sense. I would do the same. (laughs) With Coppola's encouragement, she wrote a script for The Black Stallion, adapted from the novel that caught Steven Spielberg's attention. Matheson wrote the screenplay for E.T., The Extraterrestrial, in 1982, in collaboration with Steven Spielberg, and it was nominated for an Oscar for Best Original Screenplay. The script was based on a story that Spielberg provided Matheson with during the filming of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Spielberg attributes the line, E.T. phone home, to Matheson. She collaborated again with Spielberg for The BFG, 
her final film, which was dedicated in her memory. She also had film credits for The Escape Artist in 1982 and The Indian in the Cupboard in 1995. Matheson actually knew the Dalai Lama from 1990 when she wrote the script for Kudun in 1997, and she developed a lasting relationship with him from that time onwards. She continued to work as an activist for Tibetan freedom and was on the board of the International Campaign for Tibet. From 1983 to 2004, Matheson was married to Harrison Ford. The couple had two children. She died on November 4, 2015 in Los Angeles, age 65, from neuroendocrine cancer. Alrighty, so now we have Nicole Perlman. Perlman was born December 10, 1981 in Boulder, Colorado. She studied film and dramatic writing at New York University's Tisch School of the Arts, where she graduated with a BFA in 2003. She won the Tribeca Film Festival's Sloan Grant for Science in Film for her screenplay, Challenger. She was enrolled in Marvel's screenwriting program in 2009, during which she was offered several of their lesser-known properties on which to base a screenplay. Out of those, Perlman chose Dan Abnett and Andy Landing's Guardians of the Galaxy, due to her interest in space and science fiction. And Perlman co-received a story by credit on Captain Marvel from 2019. She co-wrote an early script for the Pokemon Detective Pikachu with Alex Hirsch. Eventually, she received a story by credit with Benji Samet and Dan Hernandez, while Hirsch was not credited. That was, it was a totally different project at, at some point. I followed it closely because I really enjoy Alex Hirsch's Gravity Falls. In January 2016, Perlman announced that she would be writing the sequel to Labyrinth alongside Fidi Alvarez and Jay Basu. By October 2016, Warner Brothers Village Roadshow and Team Downey had put together a writer's room for the third Guy Ritchie Sherlock Holmes film. Up next, we have Melissa Rosenberg. Rosenberg was born in Marin County, California. She later moved to New York City to join a small theater company before moving again to Bennington, Vermont to attend Bennington College. She originally aspired to work in dance and choreography. She says she began too late, however, and so she moved to LA to pursue a career in the film industry instead. She graduated from the University of Southern California's Peter Stark Producing Program with a Master of Fine Arts degree in Film and Television Producing. Rosenberg's first project was a dance film commissioned by Paramount Pictures that was ultimately never made, and then she shifted to television. Leaving the OC at the conclusion of the first season, she was hired to write her second screenplay, the 2006 dance film Step Up. She was also offered the job of writing the sequel Step Up to the Streets, but turned it down because she was busy with other projects. Summit Entertainment, the production company which had produced Step Up, offered Rosenberg a chance to adapt Stephanie Meyer's best-selling novel Twilight into a film by the same name, which she did accept. Her primary inspiration for the adaptation was Brokeback Mountain, which she described as a great model of forbidden love alongside Romeo and Juliet, and thought its adaptation from short story to film was beautiful. In July 2010, Rosenberg left her role of writer and executive producer on Dexter, explaining that, For the past four years, I've been writing Dexter and one Twilight or another. She was then working on adapting the final novel in the Twilight series Breaking Dawn, which was split into two films. Rosenberg was on the Writers Guild of America's board of directors for five years before stepping back. She is currently involved in the WGA Diversity Committee supporting women screenwriters and is more active in the League of Hollywood Women Writers, which she and several other women set up while on strike, aiming to fight the boys club mentality in television writing rooms. 
Beginning in 2010, Rosenberg had been developing Jessica Jones' TV series for ABC, which would be based on the Alias comic book series by Brian Michael Bendis. However, later in 2012, it was revealed that ABC had passed on the series. In October 2013, following the deal made by Netflix and Marvel, the series was revived as a part of four series and one miniseries commitment in which Rosenberg was brought on to be the showrunner. In August 2018, it was reported that Rosenberg had signed a deal with Warner Brothers Television and would leave Jessica Jones after season three. In February 2019, Netflix announced that they would be canceling the show after three seasons, which was a big bummer. That was a great show. Last but not least, we have Linda Wolverton. Wolverton was born in 1952 in Long Beach, California. As a child, she began acting in the local children's theater as an escape from what she had described as a traumatic childhood. She graduated from high school in 1969 with honors in the school's theater program. She attended the California State University Long Beach, graduating with a BFA in theater arts in 1973. After the college graduation, she attended California State University Fullerton to receive her master's degree in theater for children. She completed her master's degree in 1976. Upon the completion of her master's degree, Wolverton formed her own children's theater company. In 1980, she began working as a secretary for CBS, where she eventually became the program executive, concentrating on both children's and late-night programming. During this time, Wolverton began penning scripts for children's television shows. From 1986 to 1989, she wrote episodes for the animated series Star Wars Ewoks, Dennis the Menace, The Real Ghostbusters, The Bernstein Bears... My Little Pony, and Ch-Ch-Ch-Ch-Bandale, Rescue Rangers. Sorry, you just can't say that name. <laughs> After growing tired of writing for animated television shows, she expressed interest in working for Disney's theatrical animation studio, but was discouraged by her agent who assessed that she wasn't ready. Not agreeing with it, Wolverton went over to the Disney offices in Burbank, California, and dropped off a copy of running before the wind to the secretary, asking her to give it to somebody to read. Two days later, she received a call from Jeffrey Katzenberg, then Disney's chairman, calling her in for an interview. Wolverton was hired to write the script for Disney's Beauty and the Beast, thus becoming the first woman to write an animated feature for the studio. From early 1985 to 1988, two different teams of writers had taken the turn at adapting Jean-Marie Jean Le Prince de Beaumont, Sorry, once again, I don't speak French. Tale into a feature film. But Wolverton succeeded in incorporating her own ideas into the story, such as making the protagonist a bookaholic. Upon its release in 1991, Beauty and the Beast received the universal critical acclaim, becoming the first animated film ever to be nominated for the Academy Award for Best Picture and winning the Golden Globe Award for Best Motion Picture, Musical, or Comedy. She co-wrote the screenplay for the live-action film Homeward Bound, The Incredible Journey, released in 1993, and worked again with Disney Animation by helping the pre-production story development of Aladdin, released in 1992, and then co-writing the screenplay for The Lion King, released in 1994. She provided additional story material for Mulan, released in 1998, and co-wrote the book of stage musical Aida, which opened on Broadway in 2000 to critical acclaim. In 2007, she completed a screenplay where an older Alice from Lewis Carroll's Alice's Adventures in Wonderland returns to Wonderland from an idea that she had in her head for many years. She presented the screenplay to producers Suzanne Todd, Jennifer Todd, and Joe Roth, who took it to Disney. The studio immediately accepted the project, attaching Tim Burton to direct. 
Released in 2010, Alice in Wonderland earned more than $1 billion, making Wolverton the first and only female screenwriter with a sole writing credit on a billion-dollar film. In 2010, Disney invited her to write the screenplay Maleficent, when Wolverton wrote the screenplay for Alice Through the Looking Glass, the sequel to Alice in Wonderland, released in 2016. In 2015, it was announced that she had been hired to write the sequel to Maleficent, which we all know came out, ooh, I believe it was last year. Time has no meaning anymore. Anyway, that's it. That's a wrap up on our modern screenwriters for now. <laughs> uh, the next episode that I plan on doing is a black filmmakers one because I feel as though I have not done my due diligence in researching enough to be able to bring a little bit more diversity in the episodes that I create. Um, like I said, researching takes a lot of time. That's not an excuse, um, but it is unfortunate that it is they people of specifically women of color seem to be hidden a little bit more than um, the uh, white writers. But still pandemic time, so wash your hands, wear your face mask. Uh, not a face mask, that's a different mask. You can wear that, I guess, as well. But wear a mask, be safe, be healthy, and uh, hopefully I'll get you that new episode soon. But thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time. This has been The Celluloid Ceiling, a podcast researched, created, and edited by me. Special thanks to my dad, Mark Castaneda, for doing the music. 